Welcome to the first ever episode of APIs You Won't Hate, uh, a podcast started by three dudes in an API channel who we love to bitch and moan about other people's APIs and try and help other people learn how to build better APIs. Uh, my name is Matt, and more importantly, I'm joined by two really awesome dudes, uh, Mike and Phil. Uh, Mike, you want to introduce yourself real fast? Yeah, sure. My name is Mike Bifulco. Uh I am uh, an American East Coaster. I live in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. I'm a primarily user experience and software design uh, guy. I kind of tend to live more on the front end of things. Uh, and as a result of that, tend to be more of the consumer of and user of and um, person who gets to deal with the APIs created by other people. But I think that um, puts me in a place where my uh, perspective is is varied enough from you guys that uh, uh, I'll be yelling about different things than the two of you. Sweet. That's awesome. How, uh, how, how did you get involved with, or I, I guess I should ask, how did you get involved with Phil Surgeon's life? <laughs> uh, well, I think it was probably from Twitter. I um, had probably responded to a couple of, of Phil's tweets over time um, and had read his one of one or two of his books prior. Uh, and we started talking one way or another because of uh, his work on a current book. Uh, and, and he was looking for someone who was more design oriented to collaborate with. Uh, so I dropped him line and we uh, talked a bit. Um, I guess that was probably late last year. And before long, had uh, sort of agreed on a plan to co-author um, book together, and uh, that's the rest is kind of history. That was that was probably yeah, good six or eight months ago now. Yeah, I think it was like back in August we started chatting. Uh, I think most of the conversation was about bikes, and then a little bit about APIs. Um, that's, that sounds about right. Bit of a pattern, <laughs> my friends. Anyway. And then Phil, and I think most people probably know who you are, but for the people who don't, or people who think you're probably dead somewhere. How's it feel being alive? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess folks might know me from APAs. You won't hate the book and the website and stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, my name's Phil Sturgeon. I have been blogging and, and shouting, banging on about various different things rather loudly and publicly for quite a long time. Um, used to do a whole bunch of PHP work and was involved with a whole bunch of frameworks and things like that. Good old coding that days. Whoop, whoop. Um, and I think this is my like fifth podcast now. Uh, yeah, I yeah. was living in the States. Now I live on a bike. Um, I had a fantastic experience, uh, just downstairs. Uh, when I was checking into the hotel, the guy was like, can you, uh, can you put your address on the form? And I was like, oh no, I don't actually have an address. I live on my bike. And he just started like, rolling his eyes. And I'm like, actually, that reminds me, I've, I'm, I've got some stuff being shipped to the hotel. And he started rolling his eyes even more. And there was some, <laughs> there was an American lady stood next to me. Um, and she went, oh, that's so exciting. Uh, uh, how, how long are you going to be riding around for? And I said, oh, until they impeach Trump. And then she rolled her eyes. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> everyone around me upset. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect response. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so that's me. Yeah. So, Mike, you also bike as well. Um, probably not on the same level as Phil, but like, what, what kind of biking stuff to get into? I mean, because really... We all talk about APIs, we all bitch about APIs, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you ask any one of us what we really love to do, it's be on a bike. Yeah, so um, I mostly do uh, road cycling, um, and I guess you would call it uh, light touring and um, distance riding around town. I have a couple of different bikes for the most part. Uh, I tend to stick around Charlotte at the, the 
with the current time. Um, but I've been doing it for probably about six years now, um, and mostly write alone. I do a lot of writing on Zwift these days because my work life is so hectic. Uh, it's difficult to get a few hours to escape and actually go outside. Um, but a lot of my writing stems from my uh, need to get away from a computer and spend some time out in nature, ideally, but at worst, um, you know, with my headphones on at home, shouting at myself while I uh, try and try and beat my numbers from last time. Nice. And Bill, I mean, what don't you, what, what do you do when you're not on a bike? I think that's the real question people want to know. No, there isn't, there isn't that. Um, (laughs) It's basically bike and then work uh, because I am currently doing like a big old Europe bike trip thing. Um, I like ride a bike for four hours a day trying to get to the next place. Um, And then, and then it's just immediately work. Um, If it's not, one of those two things i like hiking and camping and stuff um i like just being in nature away from a bike when you can actually kind of enjoy it instead of hurtling past it at 20 miles an hour and trying to not hit into a tree <laughs> like stay slower you know yeah fair enough how many miles are under your belt on your current tour oh uh i have i have some stats right here um so i've, oh, I've nice. been riding, riding around since i left the i, I left um america uh, the end of January, and I was kind of riding around in circles for a while. But since uh, in the last two months, uh, I have done, uh, damn it, I lost it, uh, 2,500 miles, I think. Jeez. Um, wow. Yeah. It's, been, it's been pretty good, pretty good fun. Yeah, I'll say uh, that's. I mean, okay. yeah, there we go. Uh, so 2,500 miles, uh, 23 and a half miles of elevation, <laughs> 180 oh. hours, which is not point. Uh, 180 hours, which is 0.14 dog years, um, <laughs> nine, nine countries, two vacation days, one sick day, and my maximum cross-ons per day was seven. So it's been a pretty good couple of months. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, that's more uh, miles than I covered last year for context. <laughs> yeah, that's just under like my entire lifetime mileage, just to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely ramped it up a little bit recently. But um, if anyone's interested in that, there's filled up bike. Uh, but this is apiswonthate.com, the podcast. Yep. So, uh, well, so I was going to bring it up because you started your European tour after you got kicked out of the country uh, in Tenerife, I think is how you say it, and then you ended up in Poland, um, and that's because you started at Stoplight, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for people who don't know, like, what is Stoplight? What are y'all doing there? Uh, stoplight build API design tooling. Um, it's it's one of those comical things. Like inside the API world, it, it seems like everyone knows who Stoplight is, and they're all like, "Whoa!" And then you kind of go outside of the the API world, and and, and they're less known. Um, so I'm definitely kind of learning that I have to explain it to people. But uh, API design tooling is stuff like uh, working with API specifications, uh, Open API, JSON schema. Um, uh, and the awkward combination of both sometimes. And nobody really enjoys writing a bunch of YAML files by hand. Like whenever you talk to people about open API or API specifications in general, they're like, oh, I don't do any of that. I don't want to write YAML files by hand. Or I don't want to have one giant YAML file, which is 5,000 lines long. I'm like, oh, it bloody well shouldn't be 5,000 lines long. You should have something that handles refs for you and everything else. So uh, we've got a really cool GUI editor, which I just uh, spammed out some links to some people today. They are recording June 7th. Um, 
so yeah early access has gone out to a couple of people and hopefully more people will get it soon but it's a it's a gui where you just get like uh you know wizard views and and uh interactive forms to work with really complex things so um instead of just a couple of hardcore api specification fans at the company saying like hey you should totally do this thing uh it, it everyone can use it um so you don't you know, you can give this tool to beginners and they can build API specs that you can then use for mocking and it's got style guides built in so you can get feedback and, and you can use it for your contract testing and all that cool stuff you can do with specs. Now beginners can do it too because it's not really complicated to, to work with. Um, yeah, you, you sent that to me, um, I think about maybe two hours ago and I just opened it up uh, right before we got on here and I have to say this thing looks really freaking cool. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm utterly excited to get get started um, playing with it. Uh, but the you know, I mean, since it's our first episode, I think we can spam pretty much all of our projects. Um, you and I also collaborated on a few different projects. One of them being OpenAPI.tools. Um, what like what was your inspiration behind conning me into buying a domain and setting it up? And and what do you kind of hope it turns into like a year, two years, three years down the road? Yeah. Uh, so OpenAPI Tools was a funny one because. When you're trying to find tooling to work with open API stuff, um, a, a lot of it's quite hard to find. There's one big old maintained list by OpenAPI, openapis.org, like the official website, have a, a list of tools on their GitHub repo and stuff. But um, it, it's, it's not the most inclusive. There's quite a lot of old stuff on there. And it's not very opinionated. Um, something that people say about me, you know, lots of opinions, don't mind sharing them. Like if I think a tool is a piece of crap, then I don't put it on openapi.talks. And I, that, that's, you know, I can do that because it's not the official list. So the idea is that we have uh, one place where there's uh, good quality tools. Uh, we can mark whether they work with openapi 2 or 3 to help people and kind of shepherd people towards the good ones so they get more attention and get better over time because it, it when people when people are just googling for things and they don't find it because it's called swagger instead of open api and they can't find the tool they're looking for they just go and build their own and then we have like 10 different versions of, of of the same tool that are all kind of a bit rubbish because everyone's desperately trying to work on them in their free time whereas if we can like funnel people towards some already existing good implementations then hopefully they can send in bug reports and send in pull requests and, and make that smaller number better over time. It's kind of the plan anyway. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed working on it. It's exposed me to a lot of different tools and it's it's kind of giving me new ideas, new things to play with. Um, and also just meeting really cool people like Daryl, Mike, other Mike, both Mikes. I shouldn't say other Mike because you're, you know, you're just as cool, but Mike Ralphson, Mike Bifugal, um, pretty much everyone out there. Um, and so you guys, you know, you, you both mentioned you're working on a book together too. How, uh, how's that going and um, when can we expect to see it? Yeah, so it's uh, in flight right now. It's been, I think Phil's probably been working on it for close to a year and a half, if I had to guess, something like that, uh, based on kind of when I got involved. Um, we are, I think, 70% through. Uh, is, a, is a fair characterization of where it's at. Uh, and you can actually go and chase it down now on LeanPub. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll get a, a um, draft of the book in the state that it's currently in and get updates as uh, we submit changes to it. Um, but the uh, our, our goal for a published date is the um, 
beginning of July, and then we'll probably work out a few kinks between uh, then and the next few months and figure out where we can uh, improve on any any errors that are in there or add or whatever, fill in the blanks if there's any details from based on folks' feedback, and then we'll go to print shortly after that. And uh, so, Phil, like, how, how's it been writing this book versus your first book? Yeah, it, it's been tricky. Um, a lot of the trouble was... There's been two troubles. Trying to write two books at the same time is is potentially a little bit silly. Um, I uh, so one of the books, uh, surviving. Uh, I'll get. I'll, I'll remember how to use words at some point. Uh, it's because I haven't been speaking English to anyone in multiple days. Um, Mike and I are working on surviving other people's APIs. The point of that book is uh, it's all about the other side of the coin, right? Like the original book, build APIs you won't hate is building APIs and how to try and make the best API for you, for your situation uh, that you can. And there's not a huge amount of point in making like the best API in the world if, if like people can't talk to it. And a problem that I've run into a lot is that a lot of, uh, not to diminish front-end developers at all, um, but they don't necessarily know how to talk to the API in, in certain ways. Like, there are things that the back-end developers that are doing uh, that aren't being communicated to the front-end developer, and there's just a disconnect um, between between those two parties. So um, trying, to, uh, trying to create a book to, to kind of fill in those gaps is what this book's all about. And it's been tricky for me because, obviously, I am very, very back-end. Like, my front-end experience was two months of me learning React and getting very angry about it. And then like a 10 year gap and jQuery, I guess, you know, <laughs> I'm really not a front end developer. Um, so being not a front end developer and then writing a book, which is not just for front end developers, but, you know, people that are talking to APIs. Um, so that is a lot of front end stuff uh, was a bit tricky. And that's why I got Matt. Uh, sorry, that's why I got Mike involved, um, because, you know, his, his full stack experience and knowledge of front end stuff uh, helps round out the book. Um, a lot of what my job has been for the longest time is to, is to be yeah, like an ambassador between different parties. So often the back end people will want to do one thing and then the front end people will, will have other requirements. And then it's just a fight between the two. And quite often I, I like deal with resolving those situations in a way that uh, hopefully, you know, pleases both sides or uh, makes them both equally as pissed off whichever. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been helpful. But it's kind of tricky to, to keep that context. Like when I'm writing the book, I keep, I keep starting to write a chapter and it's meant to be aimed at clients. And then I start like veering off into backend developer speech and I completely <laughs> forget what I'm doing and I have to like scratch 10 paragraphs and start again. Um, so yeah, that's been a bit of a pain in the butt. But it's getting there. Like 70%, I just wrote another half a chapter like over the last two days. So we're getting there. And I think nice. I, I have a bit of a complimentary um, skill set in the sense that in the same way that, that Phil is sort of the ambassador between front end and back end ish, my experience as a designer as well as a front end developer is um, generally being the ambassador between the people building the way the thing looks and the people using the thing. Uh, and I think that's where um, a lot of my experience is helpful for writing the book. So 
um, a lot of the things you don't consider when when you're working with an API is is the things that uh, what to do when it goes wrong or how best to present uh, the interim states while you're waiting for feedback from an API and how to do all the things that uh, psychologically make sense for the people using the application, uh, how to convey those, how to create patterns around them so that they're consistent throughout the application experience. Um, that's stuff that I do every day and have been doing for years and years. Uh, and I think because of the fact, too, that I live on the other side of the fence from Phil where I've been writing in React for a few years now and, and yelling about how sad I am about jQuery and uh, having honestly been touching the API side of things nearly as much um, has has made me kind of a good uh, good fit to write about the other side of things that um, that that uh, Phil was looking for with the book here so to go down that I mean since you are front end and not really doing a lot of the back end like what is without naming and shaming um, I don't think we're there on the podcast just yet <laughs> but um, like what are what is like the worst thing you've seen um, as a front end developer trying to interact with an API yeah. Um, so it's funny. I, I always talk about design being one of those things where um, going to design school and, and reading about this stuff and learning about this stuff and starting to focus on it really ruins a lot of a lot for you. Uh, and so it's it's um, a lot of the stuff that bothers me the most may not even be things that I've had to, to deal with using APIs or even for teams that I've worked on directly. Uh, but you start to run into patterns and things that just don't make sense and are like really, really frustrating uh, to deal with. And I think along those lines, my absolute um, favorite, favorite um, uh, anecdote, I guess, is uh, having to do with when um, a application is built and the API fails and doesn't do so gracefully. So the most common example of this is on um, actually, I, well, I probably shouldn't call name names here, but a particular app that I use on my phone quite a bit, uh, I've noticed that if I have a flaky uh, Wi-Fi connection, uh, rather than showing me that I have a bad connection or giving me an error that shows that something is wrong, uh, it's a fitness-related application, and it will it will look like it has absolutely wiped out all of my history uh, in the 10-plus years I've been using this thing. Uh, and that is a really, really scary thing to see. Uh, like, it doesn't look like there's nothing on the screen. It looks like, oh, hey, this is your first activity. Uh, hit hit the plus button to start a new activity as opposed to like, oh, here's your, you know, 900 things you've recorded over the past 10 years. Uh, give us a minute while we load them. Like, those two things are fundamentally very different, uh, and one of which is, okay, I can be patient and wait for it to load, and the other is, holy crap, all my stuff is gone, and I'm mad and upset and confused. Uh, and I think things like that are so easy to get around if you just spend a little bit of time thinking about it. And honestly, a little bit of time just testing the thing. Um, but often, oftentimes that doesn't go um, tested because that doesn't, like, if you think about it, if you've built software, something like that doesn't usually end up on a storyboard uh, in, in a sprint. Uh, you know, like people, people don't spend a lot of time thinking about the edge cases where it's kind of working and kind of not working. And that's really where you start to win over uh, user experience. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I feel like that's something that, you know, as backend developers, we never really totally feel like because there really isn't like a you know a design course for writing back-end code it's does it work yes does it make sense yes you know ship it test it sometimes not even test it you know it's just one of those things that you just kind of yolo yeah. with um yeah, yeah but no, on the flip side oh go ahead Sorry, I was going to say that just kind of lives in a, in a place where like that specific scenario, you're, all of the tests that you could write for backend stuff could work perfectly, right? Like you might know to wait for, for, your con, for the call to come back and, and have the context around like, yeah, we're pulling down you know, a, a megabyte of information over a, a 3G connection. It's going to take a while. Uh, 
and that's that's perfectly fine and we'll pass testing uh, and pass muster and all the other things and it's just something that isn't super obvious if you haven't thought about testing it even from the front end uh, particularly when your your development team is sitting you know on a on a uh, fiber optic connection three feet from uh, the test server or, or you know from the cloud connection to whatever uh, web services are being used um, it's very easy to forget about that stuff and and it makes all the difference it's it's the difference between polish uh, and something that's like just acceptable I feel like Phil has a blog post describing that exact same problem that he faced at a company quite some time ago like uh, either that or it was a talk it, it was something. I don't want to name the. I mean, the company's dead, but I won't name them. But you talked about how um, mega ring made of doom. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like it, you're including all of the data on like a, a basic get call, and it was just crashing the the client app. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, th- this happens all the time. Um, it's one of them was quite funny. My my previous employer. Uh, that was the situation that this was more an API design problem. So some of these, uh, that's why I was kind of doing both books at the same time, right? Because every single day there's like five different fires and I just write down notes and go like, oh, that was a client mistake. That'll go in this book. Oh, that was a server mistake. That'll go in this book. I'm just like piling all these huge notes up, waiting for the day where I actually have the time to maybe write up those notes. But then there were so many more fires making so many more notes. It never happened. Um, but yeah, on the on the on the server side, people do things like uh, you know they they create a resource which then includes some items from another resource and some items from another resource. That was uh, if you look at the company profile uh, for this co-working space, then it includes all of the users and members uh, for that company, and it includes all of the um, buildings and locations that they're in. Uh, and that was completely fine when the API was designed because people assumed that. Um, uh, companies would never have more than 50 members. 50 is a huge number. We, we, we deal with these small little startups. There's going to be like nine. And then, um, and, you know, they're only going to have one or two buildings because there's only going to be nine people. They, why would they have, te- you know, loads of buildings? And then Amazon and Facebook moved in. <laughs> and <laughs> Amazon, Amazon and Facebook each have like 8,000 uh, employees or members. Um, and that meant that if you were to go to the, like, uh, if you were to go to the uh, company directory and view the Amazon or Facebook profiles, it would crash the entire API, which would also crash every single application in the entire company because obviously this, this central API was a monolith and everything required. Um, so just literally people requiring too much data on the API side can crash your entire billion-dollar uh, company. And um, that's annoying. You could fix that with a bit of pagination or whatever, right? just not including too many things. And then clients run around including too many things themselves. And so even if they switch to using something like JSON API, right, where you just have the one resource that you're looking at, and then you give them the option to include more things, that's giving the client a lot of room to hang you with because they end up asking for way too many things. Um, it's this whole, you know, uh, HTTP 1.1 mindset where, number of requests must be as low as possible. And it's kind of like when you first learn about SQL optimization, you know, um, when you first learn that making too many SQL uh, requests is bad, you immediately want to just make one SQL request and have everything in this giant, 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 giant. Uh, and that's actually way less performant than having, you know, uh, a few targeted things. Don't have a hundred SQL uh, calls. Don't have one, have like six or whatever. You've got to benchmark this stuff. So, 
Um, API clients do this all the, all the time, where they just try and batch everything into one giant get request, and it crashes the server, or it just takes a really long time. Well, you have a problem where you know you're requesting information A, B, and C. A is what you really care about, but you've just bunged B and C in there anyway, and they might be below the fold, and it doesn't really matter. Um, like a feed with some suggestions next to it or whatever. You can't show that feed until the server is finished preparing all of that JSON, all of that batch, all, all comes down the pipe together at the same time, and it all gets to the browser at the same time, and then you can start to show it. So because you've asked for a whole bunch of things, you can't show the important thing until some unimportant stuff has turned up. Um, and things like that, which I want to talk about in this book. I mean, batching, batching sucks. And it's the like, core premise. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's all... I mean, that's great stuff for future episodes. I think that gives us material for, gosh, five or six episodes at least. So, you know, we're at least going to be here for five or six episodes, it sounds like. Um, but to take a quick pivot, you know, like, Phil, you also started, uh, you know, the APIs You Won't Hate Slack channel, which is kind of where we've all um, been formulating all these crazy ideas that you that we have. I shouldn't say just you. It's, it's all of us together uh, to kind of grow our little community up and kind of offer some resources to people who want to learn how to build APIs better or uh, just learn better design, better tips or anything like that. Um, and one thing you've really brought out to us is mentoring. Um, and you, you kind of have like a different spin on just your average mentoring. Um, what, what is your idea behind it and, and what are you hoping to accomplish there? Yeah. Um, the mentoring thing's been interesting. It's basically an attempt at, uh, helping folks that often don't get as much help as they should. Um, so the API community, just like a lot of communities in tech, is uh, it's very much like one specific demographic. Like it's a whole bunch of white dudes a lot of the time, definitely a whole bunch of dudes. Um, and, and so the idea of the mentorship is to kind of just try and balance that a little bit. Um, we we tweeted out and, and we've been kind of uh, just reaching out to people in general, just uh, offering, offering mentorship. I'm just saying, if you're not a white dude and would like to, you know, come talk to us, um, we'll pair you up with somebody who's in roughly the right time zone. And, and that's actually been the biggest barrier so far. Like a whole bunch of people wanted to, wanted to have somebody to talk APIs with one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but a lot of the time zones are a bit off. Like there's, there's people in America offering uh, and, and people in Africa who, who want the help. And so that, that time zone can be a bit of, of trouble. But um, we've got a few Europeans and a few Australians that are balancing things out. So uh, if people would like to uh, join our Slack channel looking to be a, a mentor or looking to be a mentoree, you can definitely pair you up with somebody. Um, just, just come and at Phil Sturgeon or jump in there. I think there's a mentoring channel. Oh, that's, that's a private one. Yeah, so just at Phil Sturgeon. And it honestly doesn't really take that much time. Like people just want to be able to ask questions somewhere where they're not going to have, they're not, not going to get showered at. Um, and there's like no silly questions and you can come talk to us and it can be about APIs and it can, can be about other stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I, I think a lot of people just want to have someone that they can ask any questions to that's not going to be, it's not going to end up in, in like people screaming each other on Reddit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Reddit's the worst anyways. No, no one really wants to be screamed at. Um, it's like, if, if someone wanted to be a mentor uh, to someone else, like is, is there an avenue for them to kind of get involved as well? Yeah, absolutely. Just come talk to me uh, on anywhere. Uh, 
if you have questions about it, come ask anywhere. And then I'll send you to the Slack channel at some point. Um, you don't need to be an expert, whatever that means. We have a whole bunch of people that are very, very junior developers, and they maybe have been focusing on front end and want to learn some back end, um, or maybe they're full stack and want to kind of, you know, round out some specific API bits or, or whatever it is. But most of it's not like, what's the difference between JSON LD and J JSON API and when should I use which or, you know, these really obscure things. It's usually just like, what's patch all about, you know? <laughs> and and so a lot of it's just teaching people how to Google things and like how to find out the, how, how to like, how, where, where they can learn about these things and, and stuff. But yeah, it's not, it's not a huge time commitment at all so far. I mean, really that, that begs the question. Does anyone really know what patch does? <laughs> are you asking i have a blog post on it i know i know i mean honestly if 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 i have to google anything apis i just put your name on my google search at this point because i know pretty much you've written about apis from start to finish everywhere in between um it's almost kind of amazing how much is out there that is your name base and not somebody else and how i just know it's like well phil wrote it i can trust it because it's been battle tested and vetted and all right. that stuff. It's all a really it's, long con for Phil to fit in some misinformation every like forty three posts. <laughs> That's the plan. It's a long con to get Phil like to pay for Phil to uh, bike across the world and not have to work. <laughs> yeah, right, That's, right. It's basically it. Just got to get the two books out. No, I mean there's there's a bunch of really good information out there. It's just like hard to read and hard to digest sometimes. Like. I, my inbox these days is just constantly flooded with white papers about stuff and you just kind of read through it and you're like, what does this mean? And it's just yeah. like, Ugh. and then eventually I kind of digest it all down and spend like a week trying to figure out what they were talking about. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea and turn it into like a thousand word blog post and then people are like, oh, cool, that, I like that. But <laughs> it's just different audiences, right? Like there's some people don't, don't know what the hell half the words mean in the thing. Um, you've got to convert that. Right. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that all makes sense. I mean, I don't, I think the only person I know who like actually enjoys reading white papers, I think is Ben Ramsey. Um, and he openly admits <laughs> to like loving reading these things. And I'm like, this is the most boring thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, but I think, you know, um, yeah, I think that that gives us a great start um, to hopefully a long running series of, podcasting that eventually we'll get our, our good friend Ben Edmonds on as like a, a PHP round or a town hall reunion at some point. But um, is there any, any last things that we, we want to leave off on for this episode? Anything uh, you want to tease for next, next time or. Yeah, I think it'd be great to, if, if anyone listening has an idea of things they want to hear us uh, wax philosophical about, uh, feedback is always a good thing. So uh, shout at us on Twitter or if you're on the Slack and the Slack team, any of, the, any of those places are good for uh, feedback or ideas. And so uh, since you just mentioned Twitter, uh, Mike, if anyone wants to, you know, especially for front end design questions, how, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? 
Yeah, good point. I guess I didn't say that before. So my Twitter is Irreverent Mike, I-R-R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T Mike. Uh, and just about everywhere else I can be found under my name, Mike Bifulco, uh, B-I-F-U-L-C-O. Uh, you can find me on GitHub if you want to see how how capable or incapable I am too. Um, I, I kind of tend to do it all out in the open. Um, I also stream on Twitch once a week. Uh, my, my work for Gymnasium, the code school I work for, uh, every Tuesday afternoon, Eastern Standard Time from 1.30 to 3, I stream at twitch slash irreverent mike nice nice hopefully i mean i think maybe I, I think it'd be cool if we could find a way to like stream api development um maybe like fill our eyes sitting down and like us all three working on like an app probably a bike app i mean yeah i don't really know what else maybe a hot chicken app i think phil you've had hot chicken you know how great <laughs> i'd love that yeah yeah um uh, phil i mean i think everyone knows your twitter handle but just in case no one does um where can we find you on the internet yeah, I am Phil Sturgeon on all the places. I'm very unimaginative. Um, there aren't many other Phil Sturgeons around, so I stole them all. And there's one other Phil Sturgeon in Bristol, and I'm sure he hates me. Um, <laughs> Wait, have you ever met him? Uh, no, no, but a lot of people thought I was him. So like, when I was 20, it was, there was some 40-year-old Phil Sturgeon who worked in IT in the same city as me. And then I, I, I go to a bunch of conferences, and people are like, we thought you were 40 and bold. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Surprise! Yeah, All right, getting there. Um, so yeah, Phil Sturge on Twitter, uh, and something uh, something that we did recently. Actually, we switched across from uh, we switched the blog from Medium to actually on the website. That was some fantastic work by Mike. Um, and so, if you're interested in getting articles that we're writing, I think we actually have a feed now. Did that get merged? Uh, the yes, RSS there. feed there. Mm-hmm. Yay! So head over to the blog and and give us. Give us a follow on there because we're, we're trying to get away from that whole medium thing. Um, so, yeah, check out them blog articles. And that that is all the stuff from me. Cool. Um, how, Matt, how do out. people find you? Yeah, uh, well, I'm currently on a, a Twitter um, break, and it's been doing wonders for my mental health. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Matthew Trask, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-T-R-A-S-K. Uh, it's the same thing as GitHub. Um, and you can also find me roaming around the APIs you won't hate Slack. So you're more than welcome to always message me, ask me questions. Uh, if I don't know, I'll just send you to Phil or I'll ask Phil so I can learn too. Um, but either way, my inboxes are always open. Um, so that, you know, Mike, still, uh, Phil, excuse me. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Phil, I know it's like two o'clock in the morning and you got some biking to do, so I'll let you uh, get going and we will catch everyone next time. Awesome. Thanks, man.